there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a very special episode of the Finger Guns Podcast, where we talk not one, but two game showcases, the Nintendo Direct and the PlayStation State of Play. They both launched on the very same day, and so we're going to go through them all right now. I am joined by the one, the only, FFG, Sean Davies. Word up. How's it going, Holmes? Living the dream. How are you? Oh, mate, living the dream. What a day. Yes, been fun. What a day. It's like E3. I love it. Yes, in September. Just let's do this every year. Yeah, let's do it every year. Got EGX next week. Oh, man, it's all very exciting. Boop. Joshua Thompson. Hello. <laughs> Hello over there. <laughs> Hello over there. How you doing, Ross? Very well, mate. How are you? Yes, I'm very good. Thank you. Good, good, good. How's your day been? Yeah, you know, it's been a bit of a long day at work, but, you know, watching all the stuff going down at Nintendo and now Sony, it's, it's you know, it's taken away from the uh, the benign work flow. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, it's been a fun day. I'm very fortunate to have had to stay off. Like, sort of keep on top of all of it. <laughs> nice. Very nice. And rounding out the podcast, it's the one, the only, Miles Thompson. Hello, sir. Hello there. Hello there! Your move. How are you? Oh, I'm it... so much better now. I've heard your voice. <laughs> That's very kind of you to say. Very kind. Of... <laughs> it's been a, it's been a couple of weeks, so I'm like, uh, I need my miles fixed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you need that. What was it? Cinnamon hug. That was it. But with the voice, That's the one. Oh, Even though I don't have a nice voice, but we can. You appreciate it, and that's all I need in life. How you doing, all right? Not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. I don't know if anyone else has had this, but like, it feels like my house is being invaded by fruit flies. They're fucking everywhere. And Your ass. I... My ass. <laughs> I was meant to say house, but you know. Okay, that's what I heard. I just yeah. wanted to just, for the record, Mars's yeah. ass is being invaded by fruit flies. A lot of them. Hundreds, in fact. Yikes. Yeah, it's it's not been a fun time, gotta say. Sounds, sounds like a you problem, dude, to be honest. <laughs> it's a massive me problem, apparently. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's been fun. But other than that, all good. Thank you, mate. Just work in and then caught up on the Nintendo Direct this afternoon. And Oof. yeah, then just watch the Sony State of Play. So looking forward to getting into it. Right, then we are recording this right after the PlayStation State of Play. It is all very fresh in the memory. We've got a big list to get through. First, we are going to start with the Nintendo Direct. Are we going to go through every single game announced at the Nintendo Direct? No, of course we're not. We haven't got that sort of time. It is half 11 at night as we record this. We all want to go to bed. So what we're going to do is, in general terms, talk about the Direct, talk about our highlights from it, and then we'll get into this PlayStation State of Play, which is a lot more condensed than we can talk a lot more in depth there. So um, the Nintendo Direct, uh, I'll go from the top. Sean Davies, what were your overall thoughts? I'm happy that the people who wanted things out of this show got what they wanted out of it. That's exactly what I think, too. Because nothing makes me feel out of touch than a Nintendo Direct. I sit there and go, hmm, this isn't for me, but I'm sure somebody's excited about it. And and then the next game is the same, and then repeat that 50 times, and then I find two games that I'm interested in. So, yeah. I mean... Chuffed for everybody that got their farming sims this this time around, oh, all seven me. of them. Um, chuffed for everyone that got delayed DLC for games I don't own. Um, <laughs> chuffed, just chuffed, yeah. chuffed, chuffed, guys. Yeah. Animal Crossing <laughs> has got a lot to answer for, isn't it? Jesus, yeah. It's like Ooh. the entire the entire like industry just went. Can we can we add Nuke to our game? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Can we do a cozy sim, please? Cozy sim, cozy sim. Nope. Drop everything. Cozy sim. Farming. Thank you. The next Good Lord. Uh, Josh. Cozy sim. Uh, <laughs> cozy sim. Uh, Josh, uh, the Nintendo Direct. Um, from what you saw, what did you uh, what did you make of the whole show? Um, I think it had a very low batting average for me personally, but like what Sean said, I think there was so much there. I think there's at least one thing and everyone can take something away from it. Um, we got dates for things. We got like nice new announcements for existing IPs. So it wasn't too bad. I think it was a little bit bloated though. Yes, it most, it most definitely was. Um, good lord, they really didn't need to cram that much into one show or anything. Um, I can't believe it was only 40 minutes. I mean, that blows my mind. It was, it was 40 minutes, and yeah. all the, with all they showed, yeah, that was jam packed. That state of play we watched had 10 games in it, it was 20 minutes long, and I feel like we got more out of it. Mm, yeah, we'll get into it. Um, Miles, the Nintendo Direct, what did you make for it? Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with the others. I think, like Sean said, this is very nice for all the people who are into the games that I can care less about. Um, but there were a couple of highlights. Um, I like the look of Fire Emblem. Bayonetta 3 is obviously one that I'd love to play. Uh, the GoldenEye announcement was cool. Uh, nice to actually see that it does indeed exist. Um, and this is more for an in-joke for me and Josh, but Fist of the North Star now has a little arcade mini game, and I can never go back to that game, but I appreciate it. So I just wanted to give a shout out to it. But yeah, otherwise, I think Nintendo just know their audience probably better than any other gaming organization at the moment. They know what the people want, and they're just giving them what they want. So I think it was a really good showing and a nice demonstration that you can do these kind of direct digital things quite effectively and mm. shovel in a load of stuff all at once. So yeah, well done, Nintendo. Indeed. I am amazed we didn't see a Fire Emblem farming sim, to be honest. <laughs> Yet. A Fire Emblem farming JRPG sim. And you could tell Toby would be all over it. Yeah. Oh, God. Day one. Fire Day emblem one. and grain. <laughs> there it How is. long did that take you? Couple of seconds. Uh, <laughs> nice. Nice. Fair play. Nintendo, if you're listening, it's right there. It's right there. Um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, what did I think? It was It was a lot. Um, there was a lot happening. Um, everything just kind of blended into each other for me in the end. A lot of the stuff looks very, very similar. Um, it's nice to see a new Octopath. Octopath Traveler was a great game. Um, so to see a sequel is uh, is nice. But again, it just it just surrounded itself with stuff that I feel like I feel like I've seen it before over and over and over and over again. And oh, I don't know. Um the Zelda the Zelda footage was a bit underwhelming. Uh, we have a title now, we've got a release date, which is pretty cool. Um the 12th of May, I believe it was. Um, the obviously the title Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is this why the Nintendo UK didn't actually show the stream? Yes, because, because the there's so many Tears of the Kingdom happening in the United the theory. Obviously, if you don't know, uh, Nintendo UK didn't live stream the direct as they, they just put it up as a VOD on their YouTube channel, whereas every other Nintendo uh, YouTube channel streamed it live um, because they wanted to respect you know the death of the Queen. Um, and we were all wondering why. And then Tears of the Kingdom came out as the new subtitle for The Legend of Zelda. And the internet went a bit crazy, thinking that was the reason why. Uh, so, obviously, we'll never know. But it's a theory that people are running with. Um, 
So that's that's quite interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot. Um, I'm looking at the list now of absolutely everything that was announced, and I can't I can't remember half of it. They all all blend into each other. But um, what we'll do, we'll try and see if we can get any highlights from it. So, uh, Sean, do you have a, like a, a top three from the direct that you'd like to get into? I absolutely do. Yes, let's do this. My top game was Rain Code, um, which is coming from the creators mm-hmm. Dangan Runpa, um, and just everything. Like as soon as someone says Dangan Runpa, I immediately get interested because that those games are some of my favourites. Like visual novel wise, I think they are some of the most engaging. This one's kind of like a labyrinth game mixed with a visual novel, where you play as like a detective. And I get the feeling that it's set in the same universe as Danganronpa because there were, you know, there's mention of master master detectives in that series too. So, I mean, it looked very cool, and um, it, it's like you know that darker edge of anime that, that you know, not the you know childish stuff, but this this kind of gave me that vibe. And yeah, I'm I'm interested. I'm interested. Okay. Um, the the other two, so Theatre Rhythm, Final Bar Line. Um, so this the series, like, obviously, JRPG music is, is, like, some of the best in the industry. And these games, you know, it's basically a rhythm game set to those songs. And I, I, I've never actually played one of their games, but I spent, like, four hours playing one of these games uh, at um, Gamescom a couple of years ago when the, the Final Fantasy one was coming out. Um, on like the Switch or whatever it was. And so I've never actually owned one of these. I've just played a, a lot of one on a, on, a, on a show floor. And this one seems like a culmination of everything that goes into that series. And I, I just rarely see it come up in like conversation as, as like a good game. But I really enjoyed myself with what I played a couple of years ago. So, and this one seems like a massive collection of all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that one. And this is probably just going to be me on my own, but um, Oddballs. Um, it looked like Overcooked meets Oddball. Uh, it's like the dodgeball. So, like, uh, it's two two weird combinations that, that go together. And this is kind of why I prefer the Nintendo Indies, you know, the Nindies presentations, because here's weird and wacky games are kind of the stuff that I often go for, rather than the farming sims and, you know, all the rest of the stuff. JRPGs and all that kind of stuff. So this this oddball has just looked wacky and fun and something that I could probably buy for a tenner and have a lot of fun with. Um, yeah, they, you know, my, my kids went absolutely nuts for um, the announcement of all the N64 games because like the kids are getting back into, like, they're really into Pokemon at the minute and the Pokemon Stadium games were announced. They really want this Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope like all of the marketing is really working on them. Um, one of the twins is absolutely obsessed with Kirby's Kirby right now. So this like Return to Dreamland Deluxe. Yeah, super on board with that. But kind of the rest of the show just kind of fell a bit flat for, for my kids. So yeah. Hmm. That's cool. Man. It's it is grabbing an audience at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh well, they know their games, don't they? They do. Uh, Josh, and uh, your top three from the direct. So, if you have top three, of course. <laughs> Sean was 
like three for three on everything that was my highlight, uh, more, <laughs> more or less. Champion. Champion. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, I will I will uh, talk about a couple of other things that did uh, pique my interest. Uh, I think we got a date for Crisis Crawl remake, yes. um, which I'm quite excited for. Um, some of these games, though, they they've come from the Nintendo Direct, but I, they're not Nintendo Switch only. Like I don't think Oddballers and uh, things like that are exclusive to switch same with crisis core um so yeah i'm really excited about that to get to finally play crisis core properly because i've never i'm quite new to the final fantasy series but seven is the clear like like the clear like best one of the series that most people are drawn towards let's not start that let's not start that war right now (laughs) okay i'm sorry do you have (laughs) do you have a favorite um, I'm I'm like you. I started on the seven remake, okay. Um, so that is my all-time favorite purely because it's the only one I've played. But um, there is someone on this podcast who prefers eight. I mean, eight's a fair okay. shout as well. Eight is a fair shout as well. I think uh, seven, eight, ten, twelve have a place in people's hearts for the most part. I think. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited to get into that world before kind of the second part of the remake comes out. Um, another one was Ib. Um, looked creepy as fuck. Uh, I really don't know much of what it's about, but the visuals were eerie. Uh, it was very, um, felt very like a Japanese horror style game um, with a nice like pixel art style. And then, uh, what was it? Endless Dungeon was another one that I was quite interested in. Uh, that is like a three-player roguelite with uh, procedurally generated levels through space uh, every time you play through it. I don't think we got too much information for it, but the way it looked, looked like it could be a fun time uh, to play with friends. But that's it, really. That's what I took from it. Everything else kind of just washed over me. All those farming sims, picking turnips. It was just kind of like another one. Great. Yeah, there were so many, weren't there? There was too many. I think Stardew Valley has caused a problem in the resurgence of farming sims. Mm. Yeah, you're probably right. Damn me, Stardew Valley. <laughs> and the problem is none of them are as good as Stardew Valley. And that's the issue. No, um, all of them all of them have like their own gimmicks and none of them look like they could match kind of some of the best ones to have done it already. Yeah, yeah. They're they're, they're trying, aren't they? God damn it. God damn it. They give it a go. Good go. Um, <laughs> Miles. Uh, your top three from the direct. Yeah, again, kind of. I just want to echo Josh's point about Crisis Core. Of Crisis Core was in my top five games of all time. Like I fucking love that game, so I will be getting it regardless. And it's a very nice jumping in point to the series because it gives context to Final Fantasy VII and the remake. Um, and obviously, it's going to be a nice preview to what's coming next with the remake part two. Um, so yeah. Look forward to playing it because it's amazing. And if you don't like it, I won't ever speak to you again. Um, <laughs> in terms of my top three, uh, fi- yeah, I went all in on it. Um, in terms of my top three, Fire Emblem was obviously up there. Kind of mentioned it before, but it just looks like a really great um, tactical kind of turn-based strategy game, which looks wicked. And I know from I think it was Three Houses reviewed like incredibly well. Um, so it's obviously a series that's got a lot of like pedigree behind it. Um, it's just, yeah, one of those games that really kind of sticks out every time they show it. You're like, that looks of, like really high quality. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. 
the GoldenEye one excites me. I played so much of the local multiplayer mode uh, when I was a kid uh, with my brother and a couple of friends and stuff. And I used to always get my ass kicked because I was too young to be able to be good at games back then. Um, so I'm looking forward to like being able to jump back into that whole nostalgia trip again, um, provided that they do it a good service. And then Bayonetta 3 is my other highlight. Um, I played the first one, absolutely loved it. I think I finished it like two or three times, got the platinum for it um it's just a really awesome combat system and i never had any of the issues of like the portrayal of uh bayonetta as a character i actually quite liked the the silliness of the story and um the ridiculousness of the world so i didn't get to play bayonetta 2 because i didn't have a nintendo whatever it was that it came out on um so now that i have the opportunity to play something on the switch um i'll be looking forward to jumping into bayonetta 3 so that's a definite highlight for me and that was it really everything else was kind of off of my radar to be honest with you <laughs> you never had a wii u oh man no i i didn't even have a a wii at all damn which is a weird sentence to say to say out of context Indeed. You know. yeah yeah <laughs> um bayonetta 2 is on switch now oh i might have to die as a collection might i add and if you get three yeah. you can get one and two as well bang in all right well that's me sorted there you go <laughs> you're sorry bank life. account i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> what about you roscoe what were your highlights um the n64 lot were my highlight um i'm signed up to uh the n64 pack on the switch so it's nice that more stuff is coming it's taking its sweet time i love 1080 snowboarding that was one of my favorite games on my n64 so um that coming out again is awesome why i've got to wait till next year i don't know but that's I guess a thing that's happening. Um, I really like the look of Octopath Traveler 2. Um, I, I did enjoy the first one. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. And I guess um Zelda, I I suppose. Um I remember thinking um I'll see if you might be quite nice to have on the uh, on the go. Because I've not really got into that yet, but the, the Switch version looks fucking awful. So I think it's it probably does. best that we don't talk about the Switch version of Seafood anytime soon. <laughs> I wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt that it might have been just because of the live stream, but I don't know. I think a bit of it was actually just kind of the game not running as smooth as it should. Yeah, one the frame day, rate is a real problem. One day this industry is going to wake up and realise that not every game needs to be on Switch. This sure. is like, <laughs> it doesn't need, doesn't need to happen. No. <laughs> There's thought, places um... for Seafood to reach first before a Switch release. I think. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. like Xbox, <laughs> start yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I thought um, it takes two looks pretty good. Um, if that is indeed Switch, uh, Switch content, then I thought it looked all right. And um, that's a very visually appealing game, anyway. So, if that's running on Switch, then that's going to look really nice. Um, the Switch can do crazy things if it's like put to the test, but yeah, that seafood did not look good. Um, and well, let's get into GoldenEye because GoldenEye was announced for Switch with online play. Very cool. At the very same time, Xbox on Twitter announced that GoldenEye is also coming to Xbox Game Pass. Now, in the hours that followed, we discovered that the Xbox version of the game does not have online multiplayer. That's been confirmed. The Switch version does have online multiplayer, but it kind of doesn't. They've had to do some very interesting trickery to make it work on the Switch, but they won't do it for the Xbox version because they're two different versions of the game. The Switch version of GoldenEye is the N64 version, just flat out. 
with online play. How they're going to do that on the Switch, I have no idea. With the control system, I have, I don't know. I'm looking forward to finding out. The Xbox version is a remastered version, a different remastered version to the other remastered version that were, that came out, was leaked on the internet about a year ago. Never got released for lots of license reasons. That version is solid. You can play it on the internet right now. That's not the version that's coming out. This is a different version that's coming out. It does not have online play. It does have local multiplayer and 4K resolution, all that goodness. But, yeah. There's a lot going on with this release of GoldenEye. Uh, we've talked about it for a long, long time, about how GoldenEye has always been that one that's always been a pain in the ass to re-release because the licenses is are in like 100 different places and every single company would have had to have signed off to make this happen. I'm assuming what's happening right now when all these, these two different versions of the very same game are coming out at the very same time with two different platforms and this is the only way that it's actually possible. I, I'm just assuming that's the only way that's... That this makes any sense whatsoever, but it's very difficult to get excited about it now. Um, I was I was really hyped for the Game Pass version because obviously that's the bomb. Shiny textures, 4K. It's the same game. It's just you know shinier. That's fine with me. Um, I don't need a massive remake of the game for it to be fun because the joy of GoldenEye is those classic elements. Um, but no online multiplayer. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that. And so the excitement has kind of gone from hey to oh oh that doesn't sound as cool as it used to. I think there's there's still a lot to talk about in regards to what's actually going on with this version of Goldeneye. Um, Miles, I was just going to ask: Are you a bit disappointed that it didn't look better? Like it's not like it's been remastered, but. It, it still just looks so old. I don't know if I was like expecting more than I should have, or if I was being a bit hopeful. I didn't know how you felt about like the graphical upgrade that it's had for the Xbox One. And um, the Xbox, I'm not, I'm not that bothered. Um, like I said, okay. those elements are what make it for me because that's how I remember it. And I don't, I didn't need a shiny visual remake. What I wanted was modern implementations into the game. So, yeah. you know, we've got the 4K resolution, we've got the widescreen. That's great, but. I wanted to take it online and I wanted to play like Mars one day you could go, let's have a let's have a shootout on, you know, on the runway. Like, awesome, let's do that. We'll do that right now. That'd be great. Yeah. We can't we can't do that. Let's have, ooh, why can't we do that? And that's <laughs> where the fun of the game was. Like, if you ask anyone what they remember about Goldeneye, it's not really the missions. It's about playing that co-op thing and someone running around with a golden gun blasting them in the face every time. Like it was always about the multiplayer bit that people really remember. Yeah. Um, a weird thing came out. I'm going to see if um, Sean can make any sense of this because, you know, he's he's our resident, you know, super nerd. Um, right. So if it's going around, it's had like 5,000 retweets. Here's a correction in regards to GoldenEye's online. The XBLA final build, which is the version that got leaked on the internet last year, never had online multiplayer implemented at all. What happens is that it's akin to NSO. People were playing online via tunneling, which X-Link Kai, which uses the system link LAN to be connected online on other consoles. The software works as an online LAN router. So yes, it is exclusive because what the N64 emulator does is hack the multiplayer controller port to be detected on online consoles. The same stuff you can do with most emulators on PC. If GoldenEye on Xbox One and Series still have a system link, you can do what I've said on the first paragraph. Feel free to spread around this information. So that's 
how it's online on the Switch, Sean. Yeah. Can you explain that to me like I'm five? Yeah, so, so like the, the reason that it doesn't have lobbies then is basically because what you're doing is essentially inviting a friend to plug in a virtual controller into a slot in the N64. That's basically what it's doing. Right. So, so, so rather than you going to a lobby and asking for a stranger to plug their controller into you, you you're, you're basically saying, friend, plug that cable into the front of my non-existent N64 and we'll play together. And that's the way you'll play together. So it's like having digital controller ports, basically. Yes, that's the right. way it works. Now, why that can't be done on Xbox? Now, is is like okay? It's been a, it's been a while since I've explored the the connectivity and the digital offerings of Xbox. Is share play a thing on Xbox? No, no. So so if this was on PS Five, I could invite you all via share play to play multiplayer, but I can't do that on Xbox. Correct. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> this is such a mess. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, you know, I recently played GoldenEye with Greg, and was was massively, you know, those rose tinted glasses fell from my eyes very quickly. Um, if if it if it is as if it is as clunky to play on the Switch, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are really disappointed with an N64 board, even with online play. Yeah, um, and then the fact that the Xbox version probably has modern day standards for like you know controls and and field of view etc., but doesn't have online play is such a disappointment. Well, it is yeah. What a shame. Yeah, it is. It's a damn shame. This but... this is Microsoft's fault for buying Rare. It is. They've really <laughs> fucked everything up. <laughs> and what have they done with Rare? Oh, CVs has our Connect Adventures. Was that theirs? Um, I think it was, wasn't it? That was the first thing that they put them on. Um, and then nuts Crack and bolts it. came out in cameo. Wow, and, uh, I don't know. Yeah, they really went downhill when they joined Microsoft. I mean, was it Viva Pinata? Did they do that? Yep, that's yep, Viva Pinata as well. Yeah. There's their there's their crowning jewel. That's, <laughs> that's the best achievement on Xbox. Indeed. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. Still, if you want to play Golden Eye again, still remain hyped. But I am gonna go on a search now for this unreleased Xbox Live Arcade version that's on the internet, and I'm gonna play that instead um, because I remember Scully reviewing it, giving it five stars, sixty frames, runs beautifully. Says dual dual stick controls. Miles, that might be the one that's worth playing instead of this one. To be yeah, honest. that sounds like the much better ideal version in my head that I want to play. <laughs> Indeed. Um, right then, is there anything else from the direct that you want to get into? Anybody? I think that's everything. I really think so. Um, just want to do a shout out to um, my mate Daniel. I know he's very excited about Pikmin 4. Um, he's the only person I know, I think, that is excited about Pikmin 4. But he's <laughs> he sent me a WhatsApp after it got announced going, finally. So, yeah, he loves Pikmin. Pikmin 4 is coming out. I'm very happy for you, mate. I'm not going to play it with you, but have a great time playing it when it comes out. I'm really very happy for you. Um, can, can, I, can, I, can I ask you a question, Ross? Sure. As, as someone who didn't really get on with The Last Zelda, um, I, I didn't get the hype for this one anyway, but I know that you did enjoy The Last Zelda. And yes. you, you thought that, that what they showed today was disappointing. I was just wondering 
what was it about it that was that didn't excite you? Was it just that there wasn't enough there that it didn't you know, look exciting, or yeah, it just wasn't enough. Okay, I don't, I, I don't really have a grasp yet on still on what this game is. Um, really, um, they're showing these big set pieces, and it looks great. It looks pretty. It looks exactly the same as Breath of the Wild at the moment, um, with a few added, um, a few added features. Um, so there's nothing particularly wrong with that. Breath of the Wild was, you know, spectacular, but yeah, it doesn't look like its own thing yet. And I'm I'm waiting for that one thing that stands out that makes it interesting yeah. because every Zelda's got its own, you know, USB, and so it's waiting to see what this one is. Okay. Do you think it's going to be the exact same map, but with now stuff floating above it in the sky? Basically, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. The uh, same way that Majora's Mask was essentially Ocarina of Time with the moon falling to the earth. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. This, this, um, is, this is a standard. This is a yeah. That's fair <laughs> it's what they do. It's what they do. Um, they, something successful, they run with it. It's Nintendo. Um, right then, um, let's get into the PlayStation State of Play, which was mercifully a lot shorter and may have had a couple of things uh, that are a bit more interesting to get into so we'll go one by one on this one because there really isn't that many things to talk about um we'll go overall first though uh sean overall was that a good direct uh good uh state of play even yeah it was good lots of different things um lots of different um stuff for the future a couple of cool announcements and i think prior to tokyo game show that was a really good like advertisement for the things that they will be showing there. So people going to Tokyo Game Show and they'll be able to they'll be looking out for these particular games which are Sony centric. So yeah, I think that was mission mission accomplished for Sony really. Lovely. Uh Josh, what did you make of the state of play? Yeah, it showed a lot off that I really enjoyed. Um oh the obviously I think there was prior news about the show off of uh, Japanese studios getting their games onto the state of play. And the, those rumors were right. Like it was a lot of, a lot of Japanese studios getting all their games out there. Um, I really liked ev- most of all of them that I enjoyed seeing them. Um, it was a very me uh, state of play. And I think I didn't need to see more of God of War, but seeing that trailer just made me a lot more excited for it. Than I was previously already. Mm. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, that was a spectacular trailer for sure. Um, Miles, what did you make of this state of play? So I didn't think it was you know incredible, but I don't think it was kind of meant to be. Um, it was meant to be just a spotlight for the different games coming out of the the Japanese studios that don't normally get the spotlight. Um, there's a couple in there that I'm really into and really digging. Um, there was a couple of bits in there that I didn't think needed to be in there and could have been skipped quite happily or replaced with something else that's of more worth. Um, But I think overall it was a decent showing. And I think Josh touched on, you know, it's built up a bit of hype around God of War in particular, but I think it's just a nice way to build some hype building into the the winter months. So yeah, I thought it was a decent showing, not incredible, but good enough. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. Um, Right then, let's get into it. So we started with a very nice trailer for Tekken. Eight. I know this has been ruined for a little while. I wasn't expecting to see it at this. I was going to put money on the fact that we'd see it at a showcase instead. Whether or not we're even going to get a showcase this year, I have no idea at this rate. Um, but Tekken 8, uh, Sean, um, only a CGI trader, I know, but what do you think? Well, I don't even know if that was CGI. I think that might have been in-engine. In oh, okay. Um, because I think 
almost everything in this was in engine. I don't think there was a, a single CGI trailer. The the kind of the little credits across the bottom kind of said in engine trailer on almost every one of them. So I, I think this might have been, you know, gameplay, but without any of the hood, um, because the move set looked, you know, identical what you would expect from these particular characters. Obviously, some of the specials and this, this I mean, visually, that, that that was one of the best looking fighting games I've seen. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the stage that they were fighting on with the whole, you know, sea and the ship in the background looked stunning. Like, I, I didn't want to watch the fight, you know, I wanted to watch the, you know, whatever was going on behind them. Um, I, you know, this, this got me hyped for a Tekken game for the first time in, you know, a couple of entries probably since maybe Tekken 5. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for a Tekken game for the first time in, in quite a number of years. So give me that. Absolutely. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Um, Josh, are you a Tekken fan? Um, you know, I played it back in the day on the PlayStation 1. Uh, I, really, I think I really liked um, oh, maybe Tekken Tag Tournament the most when I was a kid. Um, but since then, I kind of fell off it. Uh, kind of went to the other fighters like Soul Calibur and stuff. Uh, but I went back to Tekken 7 because I think it was on sale quite a while ago and it was really cheap and like well worth playing. And the story was a bit meddling, I think, because I've taken such a time off from the story, didn't really get what was happening. But uh, it looks like it's going to lead on from 7. Uh, and it's really interesting to see this fighter uh, when Street Fighter 6 is around the corner at the same time. Uh, we're going to get two of these massive IPs and fighting games come out, I reckon, pretty soon after each other. Um, but yeah, the CG trailer looked, or oh, the sort of in-engine trailer looked amazing. Just like the effects, that all the weather effects and stuff like that. And that they've always had a nice detail on their um, on their levels as well. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Nice. Uh, Mars, were you Tekken by Tekken? <laughs> Ah, nice. I like it. I like Thanks. it. <laughs> um, yes, I love Tekken. I played a lot of it as a kid. I played a couple of them when I was younger. Um, and then I played a hell of a lot of Tekken 7. Um, put a few hours into it. Got pretty decent. I was all right. Um, I still got my ass handed to me online by the people who play these games for, for life. Um, but I had a really good time with it. And, you know, this trailer for me, I was like, ah, you've got me, Sony. You've wrote me in immediately. So I thought it was a nice way to start off um the state of play and it was quite a big one to hit with um i think josh touched on a good point with um with the next street fight coming and i wonder if netherrealm are working on the next one so i imagine all three of these titles could be pretty close within each other um which will be quite interesting to see which one kind of emerges on top um but yeah i thought it was a good start and i love the idea of Tekken 8 i'll probably be picking this up day one to be honest awesome Awesome. You don't say that about a lot of games, Mars. So that's no, uh... I don't. That and Mortal Kombat are like my two go-to fighting games of choice. And I think in recent years, I've gotten a lot more into them, uh, mm. Mortal Kombat especially. So, yeah, a rare recommendation from me. <laughs> well, well, Mars actually wants to play a video game, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Breaking news. <laughs> um, you guessed it. Right then, uh, then we had a look at some PSVR 2 games, including Star Wars Galaxies. Edge or Battle for Galaxy Edge or whatever the hell it was called. Um, it, it looks very Star Warsy. Um, Miles, has this convinced you to get a VR two? 
Do you know what? Initially, I was a bit like Star Wars and VR. I want it. But then the more I watched it, the more I was like, oh, do you know what? It kind of looks like every other VR game. <laughs> and I know that sounds really kind of obnoxiously stupid. But like VR games tend to play in a very specific way. And they're all quite like homogenous in that. And the more I watched it, I was like, if I took the Star Wars element out of this, would I be interested? And my answer was like, not really. Um, I don't think it would be one that I would commit to getting the VR 2 for i think it still had a look of a game which vr games just don't look as good as other games that we have now um, and i know that's obviously the technological aspect but it just didn't really grip me um so i wouldn't buy it specifically for that having said that if i did invest in a vr2 for something else that did take me i probably would end up picking this up anyway because it's star wars and as we know from our obi-wan appreciation even though it's a little bit shit we still love it. So we're still going to get it, you know? <laughs> I take it you've seen the trailer for Mando 3. Yes. yes. Now you have to watch Boba Fett because none of that trailer would have made any sense to you. Literally, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I need to watch Boba Fett now. I'm pretty sure. I'm on, I watched the second episode a couple of weeks ago. So I'm going to whittle my way through it eventually. Don't worry about episode three. Just go to episode four. <laughs> you know, you, you'll have a great time. Um, okay. anyway. I'll get, I'll get there. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Sean, I don't think we've talked, we haven't been on the on the podcast together to really talk about it. How are you feeling about VR2 and um, how do you like to look at this new Star Wars game? Uh, day one, I, I, of course. <laughs> of um, course. <laughs> because of just, that's just, I am the consumer consumer. Um, yeah, so like th- this wasn't going to sell me on a VR headset, like as on its own. Um, this is already out on PC VR headsets. It's, it's got some decent reviews. This enhanced edition might add new content. It didn't really say, uh, or it might just spruce up the visuals. But you know, there was a lot of eight out of ten, nine out of ten reviews for this game when it came out on PC VR. I think it just adds another string to the bow of of VR two PSVR two. I think you know when when this eventually comes around and you've got the likes of um, Horizon, Star Wars, um. The Moss or whatever it's called, the next game we're going to talk about. I think when you when you start to add up these games and you think, okay, on day one, these are the kind of things you're going to have, including updates to a slew of other VR games, it makes it an interesting proposition at that point. You're more likely to jump in. And yeah. this, this is one of those games that will sell to a, to a massive audience. So um, it's, it was right that it was on this, this show. And, you know, it's just another thing that interests me in VR. So, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Just need to know the price of the damn thing now. Uh, yeah, um, your you, it's your soul. Is... Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> basically, uh, yeah. Um, Josh, where are you with uh, VR and um, and Star Wars in particular? Is this 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 so you want a um, potentially like five hundred pound plus headset? Um, I think I'm on kind of the same boat as Sean. That I was, I probably would have just gotten it regardless of what games were coming to it because i think uh sony do really well with implicate uh implementation what's the word sony are good at bringing implementation? out implementation yeah implementations over their already existing kind of products so the first one can either be hit or miss sometimes they miss they miss more than they hit but what they work on after that is normally a lot better uh, so I think PSVR 2, it could be really good uh, by the looks of what, what the controls are like and stuff like that and the kind of specs that they're boasting. Um, and I think Sean's right as well. Like, it's just like having a Star Wars game 
a new one, like a newish one for console VR is just another part of like another franchise to add to the list that are coming out already. Um, just making it more of a appealing lineup for someone that is going to buy it. I'm not particularly interested in it myself. Um, I think I'm just a little bit um, fatigued with, the, with a few Star Wars things these days, apart from <laughs> the Fallen Order and like the Survivor series. I'm going to enjoy that. But yeah, I think um, in, an enhanced edition, what is that going to add to it? I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, it, it looked okay. I think the next game is more interesting than we're going to talk about for VR2. Okay, well, let's get into it. This is uh, Demio, which looks to be a top-down board game kind of uh, RPG, um, which is set in VR. It looks like you're kind of overlooking it as if you were looking down at a board game, which looks really, really cool. Very clever idea. Um, Josh, you want to lead this one? Um, what what was it about this one that uh, got you excited? Sure. I think um, a big part of it is that, obviously, the idea of a board game is not new at all. Um, but kind of the visual representation of maybe the imagination that we bring to board games is like prevalent in the in the game so like you know instead of like bashing toys together in real life you're actually seeing the effects and the explosions and stuff like that and getting to roll the dice like it's all quite an interesting concept and a uh, I don't know personally on the details of like online play but I assume you can play online um, which will be a good time as a party game on the, on top of that and the card system as well. Like it's just, there's a lot going on. Um, nothing visually that's like astounding, but it's very unique in its art direction. So I'm, you know, quite hopeful for it. Yeah. It looks really interesting. It's not something I probably would play myself, but it looks like something I'd watch someone play. If you know what I mean? Um, mm, or watching a few people play it and yeah. Have yeah a good for time sure. There. Absolutely, like a D&D group getting together and playing it. Uh, something like that. That would be fun. Um, Sean, what was the name of that VR racer from Future Lab? Mm, Tiny Tracks. Yes. I don't know why, but this reminded me of that. I don't know why. Um, that one where you, st- where you stood up and the race kind of happened around you? Yeah. And you got to watch it. It kind of has still ha- had that board game aesthetic to it. I don't know. I want more Tiny Tracks from Future Lab, if you listening. But... They did um, the the board game follow up, didn't they? Which was I reviewed and given nine out of ten. I can't remember the name of it now, which is a shame. Uh, Mini Mech Mayhem. Oh yeah, that's the one. Yep. Yeah, I mean, this this is you know this demo it isn't isn't a new um, is a new concept. It's been you know even even uh, Future Lab did it a couple of years ago, but but by the looks of this, so the, the, there's definitely online play. So I've just looked at some of the screenshots. And you can share room codes so that other people can join in your game. And you basically see their headset as like a floating pair of glasses that you can customize. Oh, very cool. Um, it's going to use the haptics in the controller for abilities and things. Um, if if you can roll dice with your controller and feed, feel the haptics in your hand, that would be sweet as a nut. Um, mm. I think it, it's just a just a great evolution of this game. It's already out. It's out, you know there's a there's a non VR version already. But like you know, this is this is the kind of thing that VR could do really well, and you know it, it may evolve game night. Well, you know we'll see. You know, rather than people going around and playing D and D together, they might sit down to play this together. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mars, could you could you teach me um, board games through the power of VR 
online? I'm sure I could give it a good go. It might be easier than doing a Souls game. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, it might be easier than jumping into Elden Ring. Um, I think it looks cool, to be honest. I, I, when it comes to VR, what interests me is the kind of experiences that I wouldn't have regularly playing a game. And that's why Beat Saber was so good, like why I enjoyed it so much, because you just can't play a game like that in non-VR and have as anywhere near as good a time. And with this, I did kind of think initially, like, could you not just play tabletop games and have the same effect? But actually, I thought about it, and I was like, it's kind of like in Harry Potter when Ron, Harry, and Hermione are having to do that chess thing in the first movie, and they have to, like, be on a piece in order to play. And I was like, this is kind of bringing the same idea where you're actively involved in the board game itself while watching it all play out around you. Um and I think that is a really cool idea. The fact that they're making it really social, they're making it easy for people to drop in and kind of like play it and stuff with each other. You know, it adds a new element. And I think particularly after COVID, for people who are more adverse to going out or are more conscious of not being able to go out or have to be more careful, you know, it offers a nice alternative to just doing it over Zoom or Skype. You know, it's much more immersive and interactive that way. So I think in those ways, it's a nice immersive means of creating these kind of experiences for people and i think that's great i think that's where innovation and where video games are so great is that they can create these whole new experiences love but change the way that we experience it so yeah initially i was a bit like i don't understand it and then the more i thought about it the more i was like actually that's kind of cool and i appreciate the effort that's going into it and i would probably give it a go if i did get the vr2 system cool there we go that's dimio coming to vr2 um next year god we've got a little while to wait for vr2 but it's going to be worth it i still think horizon's going to be packed in but that could just be me uh wishful thinking but i think it's going to happen we shall see um following that we had a yakuza trailer i think i am not um i'm not educated enough in yakuza to know but i'm sure in my sleepy eyes red like a dragon somewhere um sean <laughs> So, uh, I mean, the, the original version of this may have been translated as Yakuza, but actually it never made it to our shores. So the original Japanese trailer was Like a Dragon, which, like, they, those games are normally translated on our shores as Yakuza. This game is simply called Like a Dragon Ishin, which is um, a game that was on the PS3. It's like a... It's, it's, it uses the same characters that used to be in the main Yakuza line games, but uses them in a new setting which is, you know, it was bonkers back then. Um, it's it's even better now. Uh, this is a remake from the ground up. So the original game was in the Havoc engine. They rebuilt it in Unreal 4 for modern day consoles. I'm not entirely sure if this is PlayStation exclusive or not. It didn't say. I don't imagine it will be. I think it'll be coming to Xbox. I'm probably Game Pass knowing this. Um, but, you know, God, I'm so excited for this. This is one of the Yakuza games I've never been able to get my hands on. So, um, yeah, this is this is a great great day. Thank you, Sega. <laughs> what a great day! What a great day! I'm hyped. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, Miles, what what do you reckon to like a dragon Ishin? I'm also very much on the hype train. I've uh, still got to get around to playing Yakuza Like a Dragon. Uh, I've got it in my physical copy pile, and I really need to play it, and I desperately want to. I just don't have the 80 or 90 hours it takes to do it um, yet, but I will get around to it. Um, I like Yakuza. I've played a few of them. Um, I was actually really confused by this one, because initially I was like, oh, it could be Yakuza, but then it was like showing off like systems and kind of cutscenes that didn't look like Yakuza, but sort of did. And I was like, is it? 
or is it not? And then I saw uh, Majima or oh, Kiryu's face, and I was like, oh, it is Yakuza. Right, I'm with it now. Um, but it looks like a really cool combat system. It's another cool kind of um, Yakuza-type style of combat and stuff. Um, it looks great. I like the aesthetic of it. I had no idea why I was so confused until Sean just explained that it didn't reach our shores, which explains why I was so lost with it. Um, so I'm looking forward to checking it out. It looks really cool. And yeah, very much on the hype train as well. Sweet. Good stuff. Um, Josh? Following, echoing everyone else's sentiments, uh, I've loved the Yakuza games that I've played as of recently for the past few years. Um, the combat looked very cool. It reminded me a little bit of like uh, Devil May Cry or uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, kind of the hack and slash combo building and unleashing powers and stuff like that. I'm really into the style of it. So yeah, it does look um it does look like a lot of fun. Um, we've had some breaking news from Microsoft is on Twitter just now, um, in regards to Goldeneye. Um, they've said Xbox has decided to bring Goldeneye to Game Pass for the very first time, a faithful recreation of a much loved iconic title. While there are no plans to include online multiplayer as part of Goldeneye 007 on Game Pass, Xbox is focused on bringing the title to players in the way they fondly remember, including local multiplayer mode, allowing up to four players to take the count in a battle of wits and skill. Which is just a way of saying no, we're not adding online multiplayer. Thanks, Microsoft. Great. Cheers, guys. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Um, yeah, the, yeah. Back in the day, it was amazing. Four player local Goldeneye, incredible. Some of my most fondest gaming memories of all time. But um we've all moved on a bit now, guys. So come on, you know what I mean? This Goldeneye saga, it's so bizarre. But anyway, um well, well yeah, uh, Yakuza. That's great. That's great. Really should really should start these one of these days. Um, and then we had a look at a PlayStation exclusive quest coming to Hogwarts Legacy, the haunted Hogsmeade shop quest. Um this looks really freaky. I'm I'm starting to worry about uh, Hogwarts Legacy. I'm starting to worry it's gonna be too scary for me, Sean. Yeah, I mean it definitely will be too scary for you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so this is exploring Sebastian Sallow's dark legacy, um, like a haunted shop in Hugsmeade. It looks, I mean, I keep saying this that like, and I, f- I feel like my morals are really going to come into question when this game releases because I feel like I should stand firm and say, no, I'm going to vote my wallet, I'm not going to buy it, despite the fact that it looks really fucking good now. And yeah, I, I like this, this trailer again was just another feather in the cap of you know so far we've seen oh it's nice and wizards and they're talking about spells and then then we had the the darker trailer last time um and now now we've got this which is like even darker so mm. it feels like actually this might be the harry potter game for the people that grew up on harry potter rather than the kids that are watching it now so yeah i'm, I'm in i'm in i'm in turmoil right now i'm in turmoil <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I have in a in a conflict. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens on uh, February twenty third when it comes out. Um, Miles, has this done enough to convince you yet? Doesn't know nope. you're not on board. No, no, still no. I just want to, <laughs> outside of the actual content, which did look creepy and actually kind of cool as a quest. I just want to say I find it quite ironic that in a week where Sony have complained about Microsoft trying to make content exclusive, they're now bragging on a state of play about making a quest exclusive for a game. 
And I'm just like, is it necessary to have quest exclusives for consoles? Is that is that it's really only a, thing? a quest mod? It's not the whole Call of Duty franchise. But it's just pointless. <laughs> just don't get why you'd make a quest exclusive. I don't get it. Um, so yeah, I've got nothing to contribute on the actual game front because the game doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. So um, but it's great for everyone who wants to get it. I hope you all really enjoy it, especially for you know, like yourself, Sean. I hope it's great, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be on in your house for hours and hours and hours every single day. You understand this, right? I do. I do. And I'm ready for that. Like I said, you know, I'll fully support people's excitement for it. I'm just not going to take any interest in it myself. <laughs> we'll see. You said that about Stray. Yeah. Taking the little bitch. Stray was amazing. Yeah. Stray was fair amazing. enough. I can't, I can't even counter that because I fucking love Stray. So, dude. Um, Josh, where are you with Hogwarts Legacy? Um, I think. This uh, trailer for the quest didn't do much more that, than the last trailer we saw do for it. I do quite like the darker elements that it's showing off. Um, I think, personally, it looks it's a cooler aspect of the game that uh, probably won't be too much of it. I can't imagine Harry Potter being a completely dark and, uh, you know, the dark arts sort of aspect of the, of, uh, the lore being a, a prevalent feature in the in the game um but it's one that i will probably get if i am peer pressured into it so if like a few people have got it and they're playing and i'm not playing with them it might be one that i'll be like okay maybe i will have to dip my toes in um but i'm kind of on the fence with sean kind of like the context of the ip um but i know you're into harry potter Has, has this trailer done anything else for you um, yeah, it's made me worried that I'm gonna I'm gonna be really really frightened playing this game. <laughs> well, I guess it is a, a quest, and it's not uh, necessarily the story. But yeah, so you might be what able it, to skip it. What it might have done is convinced me to buy it on PC rather than PlayStation, so I can avoid that quest. Yeah, <laughs> Buy it, buying it anywhere else but the PlayStation because it's yeah. too it's too uh, dark it's, and creepy. It's, it's too scary on PlayStation. I can't play it there. <laughs> um, Sean. I was just thinking, if you buy it on PC, you could probably mod out all the spiders as well. That's a really good idea. Look at this creative problem solving. Yeah. <laughs> turn it into like Thomas the Tank Engines instead, because that's the yeah. standard. That will be a mod Shrek. on day one. <laughs> that's a really good idea. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm really hyped for Hogwarts Legacy. I have been ever since the first announcement. I mean, Sean and I were talking years ago that one of our dream games is a full-on Harry Potter RPG, so yeah, I'm so up for this. And, you know, separating art from artist. I don't like J.K. Rowling. Fuck you, J.K. Rowling. Harry Potter doesn't belong to you anymore. That's my mentality going into it. And I'm very happy to play it. And I'm very much looking forward to it. And I'm going to be playing it. Kat's going to be playing it. Sean's probably going to be playing it. Josh, so, you know, you've got three people right there that's going to be talking about it for weeks on end. If I get nudged enough, well, I will do it. Don't threaten <laughs> me with a good time. <laughs> and... And because, you know, he's a hypocritical little bitch, Miles will play it as well. Of course he will. If I do, <laughs> if I do, Miles will. I know that for sure. I'm not I'm oh, not well. doing this one. I'm going to, just because of this conversation, go. I'm going to out-stubborn myself just to make sure I never <laughs> play this game now because I do not want to play it and I will not be peer pressured into it because I won't like it. <laughs> uh, Miles, whatever you are you on now on uh, Fortnite? I, it reset yesterday, so zero. Did it? What? I don't Why? Know. I'm hoping it reset. Did it? No. no. <laughs> Damn it. I am level 161. 
Yeah, I've eaten some real yeah. humble pie with Fortnite, but this is one I will not eat humble pie with because I don't like the look of it. Same as Gotham Knights. Sorry. All right, I might have to put money on this one. Yeah, I think I want to join you on that as well. <laughs> I've uh, le- I uh, I leveled two hundred Fortnite today. Thank you very much. For well done. But I thought I wasn't going to do it before the before the season ended, but god damn it, I made it happen. Fair Dick, play to you, man. You say you say well done, but we should all be like slightly worried. <laughs> <laughs> Grown man. <laughs> It is a lot of hours to do that too. Those vibing quests, man, they offer like 40k XP every time you finish one. It's brilliant. I'm so glad I'm fucking clear what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) The sad thing is, Sean, I now do know what he's talking about. And the worst part is, I thought to myself, there was a day where I did like four of them in one match and the XP was so good. I was really proud of it. And I was like, what have I become? Who am I? I've, I've, I've moved from Dead by Daylight to this. All of my kids have grown out of it. And you guys are talking about it. On oh, a mate, we're well in. well in. I love it. <laughs> in my defence, Sean, it has taken me away from the depressingness of Dead by Daylight. So it's kind of a win with a loss at the same time. Oh, God, you swap one shitty thing for another. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> for punishment. We've got the new season next weekend, lads. I'm very excited. Can't Where are we dropping? What... Where are we dropping, boys? <laughs> Where are we dropping? Anyway, anyway, let's crack on. Um, we had a look at a game called Pacific Drive, the debut game from Ironwood Studios. This looks like my jam. This is the first time all day that I've gone, yes, something new I want to play. Uh, Josh, what did you make of Pacific Drive? I'm right there with you. Um, it reminded me of like Firewatch meets a little game called Titan Chaser. Yeah, like, the best way possible. Um yeah, I'm just really into it. I, I love the aesthetics of it, and I, I have no idea what you're going to be doing, but whatever it is in that car, it's going to be a lot of fun. I do like having fun in a car. <laughs> mm, can't go wrong with that. Um, this is a Sean Davies joint, if ever I've seen one. Am I wrong? Uh, potentially. So I, I I really like Titan Chaser. Um, I'm there with Josh. I like uh, you know that was, but this isn't that kind of game. So just reading from the PlayStation blog. This is what the developers have had to say about it. So, born from the rhythm of an engine, Pacific Drive is a run-based first-person driving survival game. As you explore the zone, your car is your lifeline. Scavenge resources to maintain and improve your car. As long as you keep it running, it will protect you from the surrounding dangers. Now, if this if this is me, you know, basically doing Fortnite in a car, um, picking up wood and stuff just to keep my car running or whatever, then you know, I hope it's not that. I hope that there's some depth and there's some story there to it. But um, if it is just a survival game with a car, then I feel disappointed. The trailer was hype. I was super excited. I read the blog and gone, that's not my kind of game. It does so, sound a bit like a roguelike with what you've just said there. Yeah, which it, it's fine. You know, it, it, there, there is absolutely a market for that. But that trailer didn't scream to me, this is a survival game. This this to me screamed. This is a, a like a road trip through some kind of paranoid supernatural place, and yeah, if if it if there is loads of survival mechanics on it, I might not like it so much. Um, but you know, who am I kidding? I get the feeling that this is probably setting up one of the big PlayStation Plus games for when it releases next year, because that's what they do now. Isn't it you know stray. Um, mm. oh, yeah, maybe. So I get the feeling this might be their next big water cooler moment. If not, then um, you know, dibs. Of course, yeah, fair enough. Thank you very much. 
Um, Miles, what did you make of Pacific Drive? Yeah, I won't be contesting any of you for this one. This was not for me, unfortunately. I, in contrast, actually thought immediately it showed like the inside of the car and I had like an armor gauge. And I was like, this is going to be like some weird survivally thing which I'm not going to be down for. It just isn't really my kind of vibe of game. I liked the the style of it. I love some of the environmental effects. Like there was a bit of lightnings like flying at the car and it's having to like dodge through like acid and whatever. But just that kind of style of game, I'm not a big fan of like races and stuff. And it feels like a racing meets action-y survival type thing. Um, and I was pretty tuned out of it pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, I think this is one for all of you and less so myself. So you're not going to play this one? No. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think of it when you inevitably play it. <laughs> Just leave me alone. I'm allowed to not <laughs> like things. And I'm allowed to change my mind sometimes when I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, yeah. This this is great. Um, I wasn't sure uh, when Sean said survival, but I'm like, I've played a lot of rubbish survival games. This one looks like it has an interesting hook. Um, so, yeah. It looks different and something that I'm intrigued by so i will keep an eye on this one for sure and that's pacific drive from ironwood studios um and then we had a look at the first batch of playstation stars rewards um this is the new loyalty scheme for playstation i'm i, I don't know I, I don't know what to make of it has anyone got any thoughts on it sean i'm gonna have a real fucking problem here um Go on. like i have a problem with trophies uh, which I've managed to kick. Uh, I I no longer have to get the trophies in games. I've taken years to do this, and they come up with some kind of fucking loyalty scheme. Um, <laughs> so so just basically, th- this isn't like a, you don't get it through trophies. These are separate things that you collect, and they are like community driven things, but also they are like task driven things, like your Fortnite tasks. You know, log in each day to do this, whatever. Um, but one of their first campaigns we're just reading on the blog um, is um, it's called Hit Play slash 1994, where members uh, of, of the PlayStation Stars program who correctly launch games that match song based clues receive a special collectible. So basically, they're going to be giving you clues and asking you to open a particular game. And if you do so, you will get the collectible. This is going to like, this is a rabbit hole that I'm going to fastly just died down i'm gonna be chucking virtual collectibles on twitter because like look up my shiny trophy and um yeah <laughs> thanks tony uh, i did not need another vice but here we go gonna ruin your life potentially yeah oh my god cool um josh what did you make of these collectibles i um i really glossed over it when it was being uh shown i i think um it's something that I'm going to have to experience rather than just be told about um, to see how well it's implemented. Because um, if it's anything like the, um, what is it, like a rating system that you get, like you can have leadership or friendly or like that kind of was such a niche way of getting those on your profile that really in the end meant nothing um, that I hope. I say hope because like Sean, it's something that I would also probably try and spend way too much doing instead of just playing games. Um, that it's actually a system that works well for the player and the community. Mm. 
yeah, the um, yeah, the, the collectibles don't look too bad. It kind of reminded me of Astro's Playroom a little bit. Um, and kind of like you have like this giant museum that's going to be eventually full of PlayStation stuff. Um, so yeah, it does look interesting. Miles, do you want to do this? You know, you want to. Uh, I mean, there are, I was kind of hoping for some more tangible rewards rather than just little collectible things, but I think on my part, that might have been hoping for a bit too much. Um, so I've tempered my expectation down with that. Um, luckily, unlike Sean, I'm still very much addicted to trophies, so it's not going to particularly affect my um, my gaming habits regardless. Um, it'll just be another vice on top of a vice I already have and still focus on. Although I will say, since joining Finger Guns, I've gotten a bit better with it of you know, finishing games, moving on and not being too bothered. Um, yeah, I think having extra rewards is a nice little thing. You it's, were the it's... first person in the world to get the platinum for VR broom witch hunter thing. I think I'm also the only person who played it. <laughs> in my defense, <laughs> I think I'm also the only person to play that fucking one game. One. <laughs> yeah, it's a 100% record on me. Amazing. Um, um, but yeah, I think it's a nice little addition. I think people have been calling for you know, extra little rewards or Sony to offer like a system that does provide some kind of tangible benefit to, you know, collecting trophies or doing tasks or playing games in certain ways and whatever. Um, so at least they're doing something with it. I'm hoping that they'll probably expand it, do a bit more potentially in the future, but I think it's a nice starting point. And depending on what the collectibles look like, you can make like your own little collectible cabinet that you can then show off on your homepage. And whenever anyone visits your profile, like everyone loves that kind of stuff. So I think it's a decent little addition to start, and I'm not against it, nor particularly for it. I just think it's a, a good addition on their part. It makes it sound like PlayStation Home, doesn't it? I yes. Just, I was just going to say, have you heard the rumblings that they are, you know, on about doing something similar? So that would make so much sense if you people could visit your home and see all your collectibles and your trophies and... <laughs> Miles will have to have, like, four wings of this. <laughs> he would, he'd have a going to say, I'll... <laughs> warehouse for all of my like 15 16,000 trophies or something um but i suppose it makes sense with vr2 as well if they did do like a playstation home thing and combine it with like the vr system you know you've got like your immersive social sim pretty much right there made for you haven't you so it would make sense yeah oh surely they're doing that surely that's what all this is leading towards i can't imagine they wouldn't like that would make money even if it was like a free thing and just had like weird advertisements in it or something like i think they'd do it What's the point in the collectibles if you don't show them off? You know? Well, that's it. Like, but fees if no one actually cares, but I still have a shit ton of them. So, yeah. Um, after this, we had a look at a game called Sinduality. Sinduality, I think. Um, I actually went to the bathroom, so I missed this. So, if anyone saw it, do do jump in now and tell the world all about it. Sean. <laughs> okay, then. So, this is um, an interesting kind of game where. It's set in the year 2022, whatever it is. Um, and um, they're basically the combination of human and AI, they kind of blending so that this like kind of helper person is like blending into this person's personality. They drive a Mac, you're a human, the earth is fucked, you're collecting resources, but also it's like a PvPVE kind of game. So there will be like a persistent online element to it so that you go out into the world and you may end up fighting other players or other enemies from NPCs. It looks okay, actually. The more, I, like the trailer really didn't do anything for me. 
uh, and then reading up about it it's actually got you know there's there's some something there to it um that that's not just as bland and as anime weeby as it kind of came off in the trailer so i'm i'm i mean it's just fucking you know the standard phrase for me yeah i'm, I'm excited let's go cool good stuff uh mars what did you make of sensuality I was kind of intrigued, and then I saw the mech combat, and it looks quite clunky, quite wooden, uh, kind of like very single double-A kind of animation style of combat, and it kind of tuned me out a little bit. I think it's one of those I would probably give a go if I got it on like a sale or if it was like in the subscription service or whatever. Um, But it's not one that particularly stood out as like, oh my god, I need to have this like straight away. Um, Yeah, I hope it's not kind of as anime- dweeby as it kind of looked um initially um but yeah i was a bit turned off by the fact that it was all mech combat and stuff it just didn't particularly kind of stand out to me but it looks okay i'm kind of not against it i'm not for it i'm just i guess a bit indifferent i suppose so what you're saying is you're gonna buy day one oh uh, when do i ever buy anything day one come on now <laughs> it's true have you bought a game since uh you've joined big games uh have I got? Mm, that is a good question. <laughs> I should. Uh, I did buy Elden Ring. I bought that day one. Ah, yes, of course. And Dying Light Two. I bought that day one as well. Those are my two. And what Vampire Survivors? Oh yeah, but that was like two quid, and that was because of Ethan Lawrence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josh, what did you make of Singularity? Is that your thing? Um, I think. It's, it's been a running trend with uh, Sean filling this in from the PlayStation blog that the blog has a lot more like information on what we're seeing than the trailer itself. Like uh, the trailer really didn't do too much for me personally, but the actual the, the write up actually does sound a little bit more interesting. So I'll wait and see for this one. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, if you do want to know any more about these trailers, obviously do go to the PlayStation blog because that's where. All the info is really um, stuff that they don't really have time to fit into a 20 minutes data play. Um, and then we had a look at two PS5 exclusives. Um, one Project E, which is now called Stellar Blade. Um, this is pretty dope. Um, I don't know if it's kind of my kind of thing, but it was a really, really cool trailer. Um, Miles, is this one for you? I think you know it is. <laughs> yeah, this is a Miles this, game for sure. This, this is right up my street. This looks very Double May Cry. It's very hack and slashy with hopefully what's going to be like a really deep and engaging combat and combo system. Um, I think we'd been shown this before under Project Eve, but I'd kind of forgotten about it. And this gameplay trailer actually got me really excited for this. It's now fully on my radar. And as a big fan of, you know, Double May Cry, Bayonetta, like we talked about before, it just ticks all of those boxes for me. And if it's got that deep kind of combat system, I'm going to be well into it. So, yeah, fully excited for this one. Damn, what a damn shame you're going to be playing Hogwarts Legacy all next year and you're going to miss out completely. Yeah, I'm going to follow <sighs> up with Gotham Knights probably as well. A damn shame. Oh, you know you're playing Gotham Knights. Don't even get, try and pretend lost. you're not going to. Get lost. I'm not playing that <laughs> shite game. <laughs> uh, Josh, what did you make of Stellar, uh, Stellar Blade? Very cool title and a very cool title treatment as well. Um, yeah, aesthetically, it looks right up my street. And just what Miles said with the, the combat system, the potential there is a very me game for sure. Yeah, I love the title. It looks really cool. Um, if I can just about read it, it's a cool title, I think. 
I had the exact same problem. I was trying to be like, what does it say? Is it hell? Ella? Ella? Yeah, I was Ella like, Blade? <laughs> I think Ella's. Tom said on Twitter, I thought it said letter blade, but then I saw a massive S before it. <laughs> it was weirdly laid out. It's a better start, I suppose, than what was it on the direct various daytime or something? Oh, yeah. That various day life. Yeah. Even well, Sinduality was a bit shit. Like, even that's a bit of a crap name. So at least they followed up from that one because it was like polar opposites of quality name. Yeah. Um, Sean, what did you make of uh, Sinduality? Uh, yeah, this is uh, Toby the game, isn't it? This is, this is oh, just, for sure. This is like the. Actual... Sorry, not, not, not Sinduality, Stellar Blade. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is what I meant. So Stellar Blade is like Toby the game, isn't it? It's for sure. Absolutely his, his bag. It looks like it's going to have some kind of strong narrative. Um, something like the blog's talking about enemies that are called natives, so natives, but with a colon in there for some reason. Uh, very clever. <laughs> but the, this this particular paragraph excites me. Stellar Blade introduces action combat that requires deflecting and evading the natives' attack at the precise timing that will also connect to combos and unique skills. Throughout the game, you will arm yourself with unique beta skills and intense burst skills, which I promise will be pleasing to the eye. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, looks very cool. Um, I think if this ever comes into review, I will step aside because this isn't typically my kind of game, but um, it does look very cool. Cool. What about you, Russ? Got, got any thoughts? Um, no, not really. Um, I probably wouldn't play this one. <laughs> But um, I'm excited to hear about it when someone does. Um, for sure. Your Razor Basilisk is low battery. How very dare you, mouse? Ugh, you'll plug this thing in now. This PC gaming mouse, I tell you, it's a pain in the ass. Uh, I was going to say, it's a real tough life, is it? Sorry, I was trying to find the mute button. I couldn't get to it. <laughs> um, yeah. Although, can you actually unplug the mouse? You have the same one as me, don't you? Yeah, I've got a I've got a wireless adapter that's plugged into my laptop. Uh mine's fully wired, so it never runs out of charge because it's always plugged in. But the wire's long enough that it's not too much of an issue. Oh well, good for you. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Um, and then we had a look at a game from Team Ninja and Koei Tecmo, um, published by Sony called Rise of the Ronin, which is coming in 2024, which feels like a long time away. But uh yeah, god damn, this thing looks pretty. Um, Josh Thompson, tell me all about it. What do you reckon? I think this is uh, the highlight of the show for me. Um, saying that, though, we are we have got a full plate of ninja-style samurai, feudal Japan, open-world games with the likes of Assassin's Creed, and now this. Um, and I think there's a couple in there that I'm missing as well at the same time. But the pedigree is phenomenal. Koei Tecmo... Uh, made great games, um, especially with the um, the Neo series. Um, it looks more, the combat looks like more uh, purposeful and, and slower paced than the kind of style that they've done before. Similar to what like Team Ninja, like they make the Ninja Guiding games and stuff. They're a bit more fast paced, but this looks uh, more in tune to maybe like a, a Souls like or like a Ghost of Tsushima, where it's a lot more more. Uh, deflecting and blocking as opposed to just all our action. I really liked the gliding that you could do. The open world looked 
incredible. I'm just, yeah, this was a massive highlight for me. Yeah, this thing looks um, insane. I mean, Sean, this is, it's knocked out of the park before it's even begun, isn't it really, with that kind of development behind it? I mean, yeah, and and um, this game has been, apparently it's been in development for seven years, and PlayStation have been supporting it this entire time. So, like, this is this has been on the back burner for, for a long time to come to, to this point. Um, and, you know, obviously it's been slowly developed, but I think from from a visual perspective, it was like, you know, Assassin's Creed Syndicate meets, you know, the Edo Japanese. It just looks really fucking cool. Um, and it wasn't a single element of the trailer that I thought was disappointing. Like the, the Bayonetta kill was just so fucking cool. Um, yeah. The jump and the whole kind of like zip lining into someone's face. Oh, God. Of the, all the trailers that I've seen all day, all day, this was obviously the most impressive. Um, and I think, I think most of the internet will probably feel the same. It's it's a it's a long way away, but I mean, if it doesn't get delayed, which would be great, this game would have been in development for nine years at that point. So, you know, let's hope it's worth the wait. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be great. I can feel it in my bones already. Um, this is a Miles Thompson game, is it not? It is indeed. It is indeed. Um, I agree with the other two. I think this was the highlight of the showing uh, and agree it was the highlight of the day. Uh, it looks very Assassin's Creed meets Ghost of Tsushima and the gliding kind of reminded me of like Batman Arkham City, like Arkham Knight type gliding, which is wicked because it worked really well. Um, I just find it so interesting that Ubisoft for years wouldn't do the Assassin's Creed Japan one. And now that they're finally doing one, there's like four other ones in development all coming out around the same time. Um, and they all look great um yeah the bayonet kill was just absolutely sick like that was just a wonderful way to like you know sell your game to a mass market of people with just this really cool cinematic finisher style thing um it's got everything in it i would want in the same way that ghost of tsushima you know had all the elements that i love in a good game um and this looks like it's ticking again all those same boxes and if you're being compared to the kind of games like the old school kind of ac games or ghost of tsushima or whatever you're doing something pretty right and i hearing sean say that it's been in development for so long you can kind of see the difference between a game like this that's had so much poured into it um compared to some of the other stuff that we've seen today um so yeah super hyped for this one i think it's gonna be a great game what about you mate what did you rate, make of it um yeah looks great looks like something i would definitely get on board with um for sure um got a bit of a wait so i look forward to seeing it for the next seven or eight state of plays yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll have gonna, another death loop. It, it's going to be death loop for this one. Um, probably won't see it for another couple, but then we'll never stop seeing it. Uh, so yeah, looks really, really cool. And yeah, definitely on board for Rise of the Ronin for sure. It's fun to say as well Rise of the Ronin. That's a cool title. Um, and then, of course, we finished off with God of War Ragnarok. We had a first look at a God of War controller that's coming out. Um, didn't look particularly exciting, but if you're a God of War fan, then yeah, you're going to be super hype about it, I would imagine. And then we got a kick-ass trailer. Um, probably the most action-packed Ragnarok trailer we've had so far. It looked, it looked well, it looked freaking crazy. Um, Sean, how are we doing yeah. over there? I am so impressed with the way that they've marketed this game because I feel like the entire internet is clamoring for this game. And they've shown nothing. Like, 
they they know that the previous game is such a you know is continuing a very high lineage of games, and did so to such a degree that it was game of the year, and this one they've gone. This is this is kind of who you'll be fighting. Here's Thor. Here's you know a cinematic trailer around some of, some of the mythology you'll be exploring, and then you've got this trailer which is like here's some combat. This is what the previews told you a couple of weeks ago, and I'm still fucking dying to play this game. And I'm sitting there thinking at the end of that trailer, the, the final shot where you've got Kratos and Thor facing off, Kratos smacking the Mumia with, with his, his Leviathan axe. And I thought to myself, I'm going to rip that fucking hammer off his hands and I'm <laughs> going to beat him to death with it. And I can see it already. Do you know, there's going to be such a cathartic, because I can absolutely imagine, despite the fact that we've really not seen much of it, Thor is going to be a total twat. And it's going to be so fucking brilliant. And I, if we don't wield Mumia, um, I just, that would be a missed opportunity. But I just don't think Santa Monica are going to do that to us. I do get the feeling that we'll be picking up that, uh, that hammer and bashing Odin to death with it. And oh, if they do this, if they pull it off for a second game on the trot, I'll be amazed. Because normally when you get a game that's this good and then the follow-up's never normally, you, know, you can't hit the, the massive expectations on it. Um, but I mean, everything that I've seen so far just suggests that we might be onto another total winner. And it's, I can't believe it's so close. Yeah, not even November. Very, very soon. Very, very Lord. soon. God of War. He said God of War in the trailer. Did you hear that? It said the thing. He said, it said the thing. Yeah, very very exciting when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> now, after what nine games, we finally yeah. understand why the series is called what it is. <laughs> finally, you never hear Joel O'Reilly say, "We are the Last of Us." Yeah, no, you don't. So when it happens, it's fun. It'll happen on the TV show for sure. <laughs> <laughs> when they're looking down the camera, exactly. cut, cut the credits. Ah, <laughs> uh, excellent. Mm. Come on, Pedro Pascal, you make it happen. Uh, Josh, what did you make of the Ragnarok trailer? Stick a fork in me because I'm done. Uh, I don't want to see any more of this. I think it's shown off absolutely everything it needs to. Um, this is also a trailer that has kind of quelled the quote-unquote discourse that it had of reusing animations. Um, I heard somewhere that a lot of their time has been spent actually on the enemy variety and there was a lot of enemies a lot of different types and we are also seeing environments that we've never seen before um because they mentioned that we saw quite a lot of um the nine realms but we didn't see all of them now we're getting all of the realms and all of them look so distinct so different and even some that maybe we've already stepped uh you know come across we might they might be even different now. Uh, I'm just really impressed with it. I'm just so ready for this game now. Well, haven't got long to wait. Oof, very, very close. Uh, Miles, God of War. Boy. Oh, I just can't wait. I'm so excited for this one. This might be my first game I pre-order since Elden Ring and probably will be the last one I pre-order for a while. Um, I, I fully agree with Josh. I think this trailer was kind of an answer on the studio's part to all of the criticisms that 
I've been shown off of animations being reused. There weren't enough new enemies shown. There weren't enough new environments or details kind of given to get us excited for this new entry. And this trailer was basically like, okay, you want new stuff? Here's all new stuff. You know, we're going to give you glimpses of all the things that you can look forward to. And the the one scene that really stood out for me was that jellyfish part where Kratos is standing looking up to the air. This giant fucking huge jellyfish just flies across the screen. And I was like, that's what I'm paying my money for, man. Like, I just want to have those kind of moments in the game and I can't wait for it. Um, I think the scene with Atreus, with the with the wolf as well, firing up into the sky, summoning like the like the beginning of Ragnarok to happen. It's pure hype, but it completely works. Like the marketing team have done a phenomenal job of being like, we know what you want. This is what you want. Have it. Pre-order our game right now because you'll have it in a, just over a month. So I, I just can't wait for this one. I absolutely adored the first um well the the new first one um and i think cory barlog is just a genius in terms of how he makes games and his approach to taking on this kind of new uh approach to god of war i, I think it could have gone so so wrong and the fact that he's done it so incredibly well i think is testament to how good he and his colleagues are so fully fully excited for this one desperately want it awesome awesome uh yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be great for you guys i can't wait for you to play it i was gonna say i was gonna ask about whether you play the other one or my i have a long complicated history with the last god of war <laughs> oh god um i never completed it and i never got on with kratos as a character oh really yeah and so i am in the very small minority of people that could not care less about god of war Ragnarok. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but I understand why people are hyped. I get <laughs> yeah. it. I'm excited for people that want to play it. And I can't wait to hear you guys talk about it at the end of the month or the end of the year, you know. Um, but it's not gonna be one that I'm gonna dip my toe into. You're not even uh, gonna try it, you're just completely out, kind of thing. I I have no frame of reference, you know what I mean? Mm. Um I got I got to a certain point in the first one and I didn't dislike it, I just it didn't grab me. Um, yeah, I was I, I was enjoying you know the no loading and the technical aspects of it were astonishing. Um, I loved I loved the Leviathan acts. It was a lot of fun. It just it just didn't it didn't capture. It's got to capture you, isn't it? Like these big long games, and it didn't it didn't do it for me, unfortunately. I think having um, played um God of War three, like when you see the Kratos that used to exist and the Kratos that kind of Cory Barlog has like made now it is very different while still staying very true to his character and i think when you come off the back of that it does help kind of connect you into that game and carry you through because like you said it is quite a big quite a long game to play through and finish um whereas the originals were a bit shorter and more compact um and kratos was just an angry dickhead that entire time <laughs> in the original trilogy um but by the end of god of war 3 like you can see he's done with it all so to take that and make you know, a new game like 2018's one, I think was a real success. But I totally get if you're going into that, Kratos can just be like a really difficult character to kind of connect to. He's very kind of detached in that way. And Atreus is fucking annoying, so he'd put off anyone. <laughs> it's the same reason I don't like Succession. You know? There's got nobody to root Whoa, for. Whoa, now that is a statement and a half. Yeah, I've said it out loud. And that's the end of the Finger Guns podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, I can't watch I can't watch a TV show where every single one of them is a dick. Not even uh, Tom? 
at least one of them has to be the redeeming one that you follow throughout the series. But there isn't one. They're all out. Every single one of them are assholes. And it's like, I don't care about your rich, stupid lives. And I switched off, I think, after about episode three. I was done. Oh, you should have held on to that one because they're so nasty to each other. It's so fun to watch how nasty they can get to each other. I hated every I hated every one of them. And I was like, I can't do this. (laughs) (laughs) Surely there's got to be something else I can watch. And uh, yeah. I'm sorry, internet. I can't help it. All right. I don't that care was, about God of War Ragnarok or Succession. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm far too busy on Dreamlight Valley. All right. Leave me alone. I got so much to do. My God. And I lost my save this week. Bloody bastards. Anyway, um, that was the state of play. I'm sorry, Josh. I don't know. I, I don't want to upset you, but you know, that's, to, <laughs> that's just where I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm just like, okay, okay. I respect your opinion. Uh, Thanks, man. I, and I and I respect yours. I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm glad you get something out of it. That's great. <laughs> you you stick you stick with it. You enjoy it. <laughs> I, 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 I won't be joining you on this crazy train this this time around. But have a great time anyway. <laughs> um, well, that was it. That is the state of play. Um, thank you all very much for listening. We said we're going to do a short one. It's in, we've gone an hour and a half. I can't believe it. But, you know, that's what we do. Um, this has been the Finky Guns podcast. It is goodbye from Mr. Mars Thompson. Oh, well. Goodbye from Joshua Thompson. Goodbye. Watch Succession. <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye from Mr. Sean Davies. Good night. Oh, everyone sounds really pissed at me. Oh, I've never seen Session Mate, so I don't know what we're talking about. Okay, I've never watched either, so you don't have to worry. Yeah. Oh, I have no investment God in for this that. Basically, uh, story of Succession. It no, we like... haven't got time for this. <laughs> Josh continues for another hour about Succession. <laughs> uh, no. um, we'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled podcast, where we will talk more about what we've seen. Hopefully everyone who isn't on the pod tonight will share their recap and stuff from the estate of play and of course we'll cover the rest of the week's news whatever may come out until then i've been roscoe thank you very much indeed for listening we're going to bed not all together but you know what i mean see ya